Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is July the 24th, 2020, and I thank you for joining me. Boy, oh boy, there's lots to talk about. I'm glad you're here uh, so that we can try to sort out the madness and play that game of catch-up at the end of the week. Uh, I just published uh, an article over at Front Page Magazine, or more properly, they just published one of my articles at Front Page Mag. Um, delighted that I've been working with them now for well over five or six years, writing commentaries for them, where I mostly focus on immigration, my area of expertise. Those of you familiar with me know my background. I had a 30-year career with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service. And as we're seeing, immigration is at the crux of virtually every challenge and threat that America and Americans face. And that's not to say that we're being xenophobic. It's just understanding the true significance of America's borders. And, again, we're a country of 50 border states, not just the four that we always hear about, and the way we enforce our immigration laws. The immigration laws were originally enacted to achieve some very common-sense goals, protect national security, protect public safety, protect public health, protect, protect the jobs and wages of Americans. It's very simple. This isn't complicated. It's not unlike the wise homeowner or, or renter in an apartment who when the doorbell rings or there's a knock on the door, they look through the people. That's the reason for the people. You could actually think of that people as the immigration system uh, for, the, for the private person because you look through the people and try to decide whether or not it would be safe or wise to permit a stranger into your home. And we give keys to the people we trust. And so that key enables our children, our spouses, maybe a sibling, maybe a parent, maybe, a, you know, whoever, to be able to unlock the door and walk in, which is what visas are kind of like, okay? But a stranger has no way of opening the door without committing the crime of breaking and entering. So they're required to knock on the door and say, may I come in? Very simple question, may I come in? Somebody who decides to not go through the formality of knocking on the door and either breaks through the door or climbs through an open window is a guy or a gal who's breaking and entering. It is a crime. Everyone recognizes that. It is trespassing at a minimum, probably burglary or worse, uh, what other crimes are added to, to the list. So the whole idea is that we need to make certain that the immigration system lives up to the best interests of America and Americans. Is that a difficult desire? Does that make you a bigot or, or antisocial if you don't leave your door open and, and hang a sign on the door that says, come one, come all, help yourself? That's what we're talking about. But we've become so intimidated, so afraid of someone saying something unkind about us that we bend over backwards kind of like contortionists because, oh, my gosh, I don't want someone to think I'm, 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 I'm not nice. Folks, I would rather people think I'm not nice than people hurt me or my family or, or steal my possessions or, or do physical harm to us. That's all that we're talking about. And, and so I want to start out by talking about this article that I wrote because, you know, you always sit there with a clean sheet of paper or, or, or an open document on, on, on the old laptop. And you ask yourself, how do I get people to see the issues for what they are? By the way, I don't think I'm a xenophobe. I'm, I'm first-generation American. My mom came to America ahead of the Holocaust as a 13-year-old, went through hell, lived by herself in a rooming house, and by the way, had to learn English, had to support herself. She was 13 years old, living in a strange country. Her mother could not get out of Poland where she lived. In fact, my grandmother, my mother's mother, died in Poland because we're Jews. Not a good thing to be a Jew living in Poland 
um, especially as the storm clouds of World War II were gathering on the horizon. Okay? So understand exactly what we're talking about. So my mom came here legally, I might add, lived by herself in a rooming house, worked in a sweatshop, earning $3 a week assembling umbrellas. And that's how she made her, her way here. Had to learn English. I really believe we need a national language. And what's so remarkable is that when I've been on campus at Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism, there was a professor there who came as part of the Mariel Boatlift and thought that I was the embodiment of evil during one of my first uh, one or two appearances in her class, eventually came to agree with me at least half the time, and that's when the invitation stopped. It was no longer a point. And she actually got to the point where this woman who came here from Cuba as, a, from, uh, from Cuba as an infant said, you know, we probably should, should have made English a national language because we've turned America basically into a Tower of Babel. And different news organizations in different foreign languages have an easy time of twisting the news that's provided to the people who live in America. Now, of course, we don't have to worry about that because it seems like almost all the news organizations do a grand job of twisting the news um, out of proportion, turning what should be the truth into a pretzel. This is Orwellian. This isn't about being politically correct. I want everyone listening to take that vow. Raise your right hand. I will never use the term political correctness. I will call it what it is, Orwellian newspeak. So we've been intimidated into having an honest conversation and saying to people, look, if you're going to come to America, that's cool. Don't take our jobs. Don't commit crimes. Demonstrate good manners. Be respectful of the fact that we are here and we would like you to join us, but only if you don't hurt us. Isn't that kind of what happens if you go into a restaurant or a bar? You, you carry on outrageously. Uh, they'll, they'll throw you out. Bars have bouncers because sometimes people have a little bit too much to drink, and maybe they're not polite drunks, and they get obstreperous. So some guy or some guys with strong arms dump that person uh, at the curb because they don't want them coming into the bar and wrecking havoc. Immigration is kind of like the bouncer in the bar. You come here legally, that's cool. You break in, not cool. You come legally, then start to trash the place. We're going to do something about that. And then we have mayors and governors of these so-called sanctuary cities. And full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat. These people aren't Democrats. The old Democratic Party was strongest on immigration law enforcement, not weakest, because they understood it. This includes Bernie Sanders. If you see a speech that he gave back in 2006, I believe it was, that if we didn't go after the illegal aliens and the people who employed them, we would destroy jobs and wages for American workers and kill the middle class. That was Bernie Sanders, folks. That was about 15 years ago. And then something got into his head, and Napo, now he's got the opposite position along with the rest of his crazy party. The Democrats used to be the, 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 the wall against the madness. By the way, it was the Republicans who wanted the cheap labor. The Republicans who didn't want to pay the benefits. The Republicans who talked about free trade borders. We don't need no borders. That's why people say, well, why didn't you become a Republican? Because I don't agree with that philosophy. I'm not talking about sealing America off this whole thing with the border wall. Oh, my God, it's a racist wall. You want to keep Mexicans out. I'm going to tell you something. The wall is not designed to stop a single person from entering the United States. It's exactly right. Not a single person. The purpose of the wall is not to prevent the entry of anybody. It's simply designed to make certain that all who come to America go through the vetting process we conducted ports of entry, not unlike the vetting process we go through when we get on an airplane. I don't think there's any rational person who would get on an airplane today if they saw people sneaking past the TSA. And that's reasonable then why are we being forced to live among millions of people who sneak past a similar vetting process we do at ports of entry that has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity? It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous diseases, mental illness, criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, human traffickers, drug smugglers, gangbangers, Nazi fugitives, uh, people who've been previously deported, and then we get to aliens who would take the jobs of Americans or would likely become a public charge. That's what it's about. It has nothing to do with race or religion. There's nothing racist or ethnic about our immigration laws. Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. Read the law. Don't take my word for it. That law was my Bible when I began my career, and I sat in an inspection booth for the Immigration Service at Kennedy Airport for the first four years of my 30-year career. 
But I, I, I started to think about all this, and I'm thinking, well, how do I explain this to people, especially people who really don't want to hear the truth about it? Because there are people who are invested in this notion that immigration law enforcement is terrible. This is the brainwash that our citizens have been getting a daily dose of from most of the mainstream media. Look how they, they couch the argument. If you want open borders and immigration anarchy, you're not called an anarchist. You're called pro-immigrant. I mean, think about that. Pro-immigrant. What makes you pro-immigrant? You want everybody to come in, come one, come all. We don't care if you're criminals. We don't care if you're terrorists. We don't care if you're coming to kill. We don't care if you're coming to take the jobs from Americans. We don't care if you have the Ebola virus. Come one, come all. And we call those people in the media. They do. I don't. Pro-immigrant. And if, on the other hand, you take Mike Cutler's position, you take my position where I say, look, we have a body of laws that's designed to protect us. We certainly should have lots of people come here. And every year we admit, by the way, a million lawful immigrants. These are people given green cards or immediately placed on the path to citizenship. That's more than the rest of the world combined. Those same laws that I enforced and administered not only told us who to kick out and who to keep out, but who to let in. We let in roughly a million every year. Those are people with green cards. And we let in tens of millions of temporary visitors, as tourists, as students, temporary workers, journalists, diplomats. <clears throat> we let lots of people in. We have the, probably the most generous immigration policies of any country on planet Earth. I kid you not. And there isn't a word in our laws that deal with any distinctions about race, religion, or ethnicity. Not one. If there were, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. My family was decimated because of bigotry during the Holocaust. Okay, so let's get it straight. But you would think that if you were a reporter and you asked Mike Cutler what his position on immigration is, and I, you heard my position, as a reporter, I would describe me as being pro-enforcement. That's fair. No, they call me anti-immigrant. Now, understand, those laws permit us to admit a million lawful immigrants. And many people who come to America come here not only for opportunity, but to flee the violence and corruption of their home countries. But because we have failed abysmally by design to secure the borders and enforce the laws, to their horror, they wake up, and I don't care where they're from. I don't care if they're here from Jamaica, West Indies, if they're here from one of the countries in Africa, or Europe, or the Middle East, or Latin America, or the Caribbean, doesn't matter. They wake up and they find that the criminals they were running from when they came to America have joined them here to their horror. The most likely victims of the violence perpetrated by transnational criminals are in point of fact the members of the ethnic immigrant communities, irrespective of which community you want to talk about, because no one ethnic group or one race or one religion or whatever has cornered the market on criminal behavior because human nature is human nature is human nature. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. So people come here thinking, I'm finally getting away from the thugs. They come to America. They take a stroll down the block in front of their house, and they're likely to bump into the thugs they were running from. How wonderful. But Mike Cutler is anti-immigrant. Even the B'nai B'rith says I am, and I was a B'nai B'rith president back in college, and I actually participated in a demonstration in Washington, D.C., when LBJ was the president, Lyndon Johnson, because we wanted to get people out of Russia so they could practice religious freedom. That included Jews and other religious minorities in Russia. <clears throat> we demonstrated, and LBJ eventually worked out a deal with the Russians, and as an inspector sitting in my booth at Kennedy Airport, who was great to admit refugees into the United States. I have no problem with admitting refugees. If, and this is a huge if, folks, my dad used to say if is the biggest small word in the English language. If, or as we say in Yiddish, if my grandmother had balls, she would have been my grandfather. If, that's how significant the word if is. So I'm all for admitting refugees if, we don't take all the refugees from all over the world because we're, we'll be flooding our country, and that's the problem, overwhelming resources, infrastructure, jobs, schools, hospitals, etc. And we need to be able to know with certainty who they are so that we don't wind up allowing terrorists into the United States 
who are posing as immigrants, and that happens frequently. And a number of the terrorists who've attacked our country entered as refugees or were given political asylum and then launched attacks, whether it's the Boston Marathon bombers, the Tarnayev brothers, Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square. But we, we can point to a bunch of people who came here, lied about their situation, and then carried out terrorist attacks in America. But on principle, no. I, look, if people want to leave tyranny and we can invite them in with the numbers that we can manage, I'm all for it. I don't have a problem with that. But that's not what we're dealing with, you see. So I wrote this article because suddenly it dawned on me that there was a previous president, number 16, Abraham Lincoln, who wrote the brilliant Gettysburg Address in which he said in part his vision of a government for the people of the United States was a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Which people? The CEOs of Apple and, and Google and Amazon? Or the American people, the citizens of our country? Well, of course he was talking about the American citizens. So his vision was for a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Donald Trump comes along and says, let's put Americans first. Well, that was a, a quick little phrase, and it was brilliant marketing, make America great again. I had a wonderful college professor uh, back at Brooklyn College who taught uh, communications, arts, and sciences, which is what my degree was in. The class was extemporaneous speaking. And he told us you can't sell a product, a service, or a concept if you need more than 10 words. I would say maybe 15 words, but he was certainly on to something. Maybe President Trump at some point had similar training because he won the election with four words, make America great again. And then he said, put Americans first. Well, that's two words, but three words, put Americans first. If you put Americans first, then what you wind up with is a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. So when you see everyone screaming and fainting and rioting and going nuts, what exactly is it that Trump said that has everybody going crazy? He envisions a country that puts its own citizens first, a government, in other words, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And people in the street are having a meltdown because they've been lied to, because we've had intrusion onto our campuses by not only self-avowed communists. I had an English teacher like that back in high school. She was the reason I became motivated to learn how to debate because I decided I needed to take her on. Her name was Ruth Selden. She infuriated me. But it's also because we've allowed money from our adversaries to flood onto our campuses. Betsy DeVos, the Secretary of, Homeland, of, of Education, has opened an investigation because it has been determined that at least $6 billion have been donated to our universities by wonderful friends of America, China, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, probably Russia and Iran. Now, why are they pumping money into American universities to help educate American kids? I don't think so. They're doing it so they're able to get their kids onto our campuses, and they're doing it so they can influence the selection of faculty and twist the curriculum to destroy America. And so now, look what just happened in Houston. Mike Pompeo speaking at the Nixon Library. And it's a beautiful um, complex of buildings. I've been there. In fact, I was invited to a dinner there when I, when I was asked to speak at Chapman College in California. Uh, and, in fact, Michael Chertoff and I and others were there, Asa Hutchins. So I had dinner with Michael Chertoff. We shared a limousine back to the hotel afterwards. We both addressed um, the, the people on the campus at Chapman Law School the following day amazing place to be and why did they pick uh, the Nixon library and I briefly met Nixon by the way when he had his office in the federal building uh, where I worked 26 federal plaza uh, quick story you might find interesting I had just returned to duty I'd been on vacation so 5 30 in the morning I went into my office to get my raid gear together my bulletproof vest extra ammunition and my walkie-talkie and all the other equipment that we carried in what we call our raid bag and as I'm walking across the hall of an empty federal building, this is like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, I come face-to-face -face with former President Richard Nixon. And we got to within about, oh, I don't know, maybe six feet of each other, I guess, without knowing it. We were social distancing even back then. 
And although I certainly was upset with what he had done, what drove him out of office, um, I was taught to be respectful. The man had been the president of the United States. I said to him, good morning, Mr. President. He stopped. He said, good morning, son. Uh, I I must have been 30-ish at the time. And he looked at me and he started laughing. He says, you must be a federal agent. I said, well, in point of fact, I am, Mr. President. How do you know that? He said, well, because only federal agents and Richard Nixon show up in this building at this ungodly hour. And he started chuckling, and I kind of laughed with him. And he was there with private security. He had the decency to not use Secret Service when he left office, but to pay for his own security because he felt it wouldn't be appropriate given the circumstances uh, as to how he had to leave office um, in ignominy. And it was very pleasant of him. And he looked at me and he said, son, looks like you're going out to make some arrests this morning. I said, yes, Mr. President, that is the objective. He said, dangerous individuals. I said, yes, these are particularly dangerous individuals. He said, don't forget your primary assignment today, son. I said, what's that assignment, Mr. President? He said, come home in one piece to your family. That's the most important thing you can do today. He said, I wish you well. Get, get the bad guy, but make sure you come home okay. So I thanked him. He hopped into the elevator and disappeared. Interesting encounter. Now, why in the world did they do this meeting with Pompeo and dissidents from China who fled the tyranny of that communist totalitarian regime? Because it was Richard Nixon and Henry Kissinger who had opened up China to the rest of the world with the two-China policy. And according to a report on Fox News today, Richard Nixon actually said afterwards, I hope I did not unleash a Frankenstein on the world, or words to that effect. Well, of course he did. After the wall came down, the Berlin Wall came down, we had so many people jumping up and down and saying, we've killed communism. Communism is dead. And I'm thinking, are you people dumb? Are you schmucks? Communism is dead? China, the most populous country on the planet, is a communist country. Cuba sits 90 miles off our shore. It's a communist totalitarian regime. See, I also believe that corporations, the Chamber of Commerce, the same folks that want no borders, don't care about American jobs. It's all about money. Well, they wanted a new market for Pepsi and Coca-Cola and tractors and General Motors and Parker Pens and God knows what other stuff they wanted to sell. We have a market here, folks. Look what's happened in the 50 years since that happened. China is hell-bent on world domination. We invite them into our country. It's kind of like inviting someone into your home and you, and you take care of them. And when they leave, you find out that they've taken your jewelry and money and, and all your valuables and maybe made a duplicate of your key so they can get back in whenever they want to. That's what China has done to America. And unlike one administration after the other that lacked the, the cojones, the chutzpah, the decency, the morality, the clear vision to stand up and say, you know, we're not going to let them do this to us. Donald Trump met with them, tried to put together trade deals, realized that no matter what he did, no matter what was said, they were robbing us blind. In fact, Chinese espionage in America is so frequent and so all-pervasive, the intelligence community has given it the sarcastic nickname of Chinese takeout. And, in fact, just within the last couple of days, more spies have been arrested. And they come to America ostensibly as students. But everybody who has a job in China is under obligation by Chinese law to spy on behalf of the military. There are no private companies in China. That's the point of communism. Whether it's Huawei or any other company, they are an extension of the Chinese military. And China has declared that the 21st century will belong to China. They've also declared the world will belong to China. Then look at what they're doing with the Muslims in China, forcing them into labor camps. So you've got these athletes kneeling, taking a knee because of all the terrible things that happened in America, and and they're wearing Nike sneakers that are manufactured by slave labor, and probably taking photographs with their Apple phone. Apple is a green company, folks. Make no mistake, they say they're green, and they're right. I agree. Apple is a green company company not green as environmentally green green as in greedy money green okay because those nice shiny apple products and i have an apple phone and an apple watch you know and i have my 
MacBook Pro. We all, where are we going to get this stuff? It's all made where? In China, probably by slave labor. But everyone's taking the high road. America is this terrible country. The New York Times has a 1619 project because in August of 1619, a slave ship came to the New World for the first time, landed in Virginia, and because of that, America can never redeem itself. We don't hold children responsible for the crimes their parents commit, but we're going to go back how many generations to 401 years ago when a slave ship came to the New World, and that is what defines America. We've lost our marbles. Slavery is wrong. Let me be so clear. You can't, and I've actually met some lunatics who think that they can explain slavery. You can't explain it to me. And by the way, the Jewish people were, were slaves long before we had that situation in Africa. You know, let my people go, Exodus, the whole business. But please understand something. America has been the force for liberty and justice throughout the world. The French flag is blue, white, and red. Ours is red, white, and blue. It's not a coincidence. The tricolor, as the French call it, the tricolor, was modeled after the American flag. That's why they picked those three colors. We were the role model for for liberty-seeking people around the world. We went into wars to fight for justice and liberty, to overcome tyrannical regimes. But we're not teaching that in the schools because Chinese money has been flooding in, Russian money. All of our enemies are doing this because if you can undermine children's belief in their country, when they grow up, they'll hate their country. And you add to the complexity of the problem the fact that these kids are probably being raised by parents who wanted to be their best friend or parents who are absent altogether. You know, abused children become abusive parents, and many of them go on to become politicians. I can only imagine what kind of a childhood Chuck and, and, and Nancy had as kids to be this, as twisted as they are. I, I, I met Chuck uh, Schumer's father and his mother one day in a restaurant years ago when I was doing lots of TV. Um, someone from their synagogue introduced me, and the father immediately said to me, Mr. Cutler, I know who you are. I've seen you on TV. We're not going to talk about politics. And I looked the guy in the eye and said, you know, Mr. Schumer, if my son was Chuck, I wouldn't be talking about politics either. And everybody in the restaurant broke up laughing, and, and, and Schumer's father looked like someone just shoved a lemon in, under his nose. Look, the bottom line is these are disturbed people that are now running the Democrat Party. But I've got advice for Nancy Pelosi. Pelosi is out there knowing that if she does anything to betray the squad, the radical left, they'll run right over her. So Nancy Pelosi needs to know this, and Chuck Schumer needs to know this. When you run in front of a train, you are not leading the train. You're running for your life, and sooner or later you're going to trip, or the locomotive engineer is going to pick up a little speed, and that train is going to run over you with every wheel in the cars that follow the locomotive. And the day will come. The day will come. And all that Nancy can do is try to run as fast as you can. And when you're as old and feeble as little old Nancy is, it's difficult to walk, let alone run. So she's running as fast as she can. And when they say to her, what do you think of them tearing down the statue of Columbus in Baltimore, where her father was a mayor, by the way, back in 1948, I believe when they erected the statue. And she's of Italian descent. So this is really against her own culture and instead of saying it shouldn't happen uh, there's a process of people want to change statues no people are going to do what they're going to do in other words i'm not going to do anything to stop the people who are in my party because if i try to stop them they're going to run over me well you can keep running for so long but sooner or later you run out of steam nancy and that train is going to go boom, 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 and all the cars are going to run right over Nancy, and it's going to be over for her politically. Same thing with Chuck, same thing with all of them. They can never go far enough to the left for the lunatics. And you saw it in Portland, Oregon. The, the imbecile mayor, this Castrata, who calls himself a man, I guess, maybe, comes out, and who does he side with? He sides with the lunatic rioters that are smashing windows and trying to burn down the federal building. I don't want those federal troops in my city. They're not troops, idiots. 
they're federal agents, and they're there anyway. They're just going to increase the numbers. I was part of a task force. Where do you think I enforced the law? In the clouds? I was making arrests on the streets of New York City and New York State, and occasionally we went over to New Jersey and Connecticut and wherever else. I went to testify at trials in Chicago and California. But we did it on the streets of these towns and cities. Federal agents don't operate in a parallel universe. We operate on the streets. And as part of the drug task force, I worked side by side with members of the New York City Police Department, New York State, BID. We all worked together. But remember, a while back, they started the sanctuary nonsense, and, and immigration became the canary in the coal mine. If you go after immigration and you get away with it pretty soon, you're going to go after all the criminals. And isn't that what they did? And that's why I wrote my article. So you have the president of the United States saying something that parallels something that President Lincoln, one of America's most beloved presidents, ever said. He wanted a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. For the people. How can you be for the people when you have Americans losing their lives and losing their jobs to people who shouldn't be here? So what Trump is doing parallels precisely, it's an overlay, and it matches. Didn't say it as articulately or as artfully, but far more succinctly, put Americans first. How do you do that? By providing Americans with a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And they've actually, these leftist lunatics, the globalists and our enemies, have convinced Americans that it's racist to protect American lives and the jobs of American workers. Stop and think about this stupendous con job that this represents. Unbleeping believable. You can't make this up. Part of it, and I want you to read the article, but I believe there's a reason they're turning the criminals loose. Read my article and post it everywhere you can. Put it up on Facebook. Send the emails to your friends. I want this thing to go viral. I want you to be part of my bucket brigade of truth and get people to understand exactly what's happening. The murders being committed in the streets are the desire of the politicians. They have blood on their hands, many of them. They know there's carnage. And, in fact, you have mayors telling the news, don't report on the shootings. Censorship in America? First Amendment? Now, I know that the Democrats aren't happy with the First Amendment when it applies to the right. Pretty soon they're going to find out that their voices are going to be stifled also. Could you imagine Chuck Schumer with a rag shoved in his mouth so he can't stand in front of the cameras? He would explode. His head would pop off his shoulders if he couldn't get in front of the cameras. Video Schumer. My goodness. Understand what's happening. If you understand the violence, you have to ask, why would these mayors do everything in their power to stop the police from doing their job? And look at what Cuomo did in New York State, giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens, which goes against the 9-11 Commission. I provide a testimony to the 9-11 Commission. I've investigated and arrested terrorists. And maybe you don't remember it, but after 9-11, there was a long line of politicians from both sides of the aisle who stood in front of the microphones and pounded the podium. Why didn't they connect the dots? Well, I was brought in to testify at a bunch of hearings and then to work with members of Congress to connect the dots so it doesn't happen again. That's why I was asked to provide testimony to the 9-11 Commission. Immigration was the key issue. Immigration. Immigration fraud. Identity documents. Identity documents. In fact, let me read something to you because this will really, you know, uh, make it very clear exactly what we're talking about. Let me see if I can pull this up really quickly. Uh, I thought I had it here. Sometimes computers can be a pain in the uh, where you sit down, but this will just take me a moment. Um, So if you look at the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission, it's really common sense stuff. So first of all, we know the Democrats want to legalize all the aliens. By the way, so do the Republicans. This would provide work for the immigration lawyers, people like Bob Goodlatte, who was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He's an immigration lawyer. He made his money on H-1B visas. I wouldn't doubt he's at it again. And his son, by the way, is Bobby Goodlatte. And he told me that his son would like to see tens of thousands of brilliant Indian programmers come to America. And when I asked him, what are the American programmers, chop liver, that was the end of our meeting. My first wife, who died of cancer 33 years ago, was a brilliant programmer, Phi Beta Kappa graduate, MBA, computer science, National Math Honor Society. And most of the people she worked with had similar backgrounds. They were all Americans. 
So uh, are these people slugs? Are they incompetent and incapable? No. It's about cheap labor. Here we go again. So he's a Republican, and right now Zoe Lofgren, the chairperson of the House Immigration Subcommittee, Democrat, former member of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. This is an employment program for lawyers, okay? Understand what it's about. But if we did this, we would wind up with 100 million or more immigrant children coming here because all the illegal aliens could immediately, within a year, bring their kids here with their spouses. We would be done, not because of what their relative ethnicity might be. I don't care about that. If they can't speak English, that's a problem. The Congressional Budget Office says, of course, 20 to 40% more to educate kids who aren't English proficient. But do the numbers. Where are you going to get housing? And by the way, everyone who lives here needs more than an apartment. They need food and water and electricity. They need clothing. They need education. They need public transportation. They need health care. We can't deal with our citizens today. Look what's happening because of COVID. What would happen if we almost doubled our population in the next couple of years? What would that look like? What would that do to inflation and the cost of housing? And how would this impact jobs as those kids grow up and join the labor force? And so you overwhelm the country with workers who have no jobs. Our unemployment rate would go through the stratosphere and America would implode. And you have Biden and others saying, well, we should give free health care to everybody, including illegal aliens, and no immigration enforcement. You know what that would do? Stop and think. It would turn America into the world ER. Can't get treated in your home country? Don't worry about it. Hop on an airplane, come to America, run the border, stow away on a ship, enter with or without a visa. Who cares? Immigration free for all. Anarchy, right? And then go to a hospital and get free health care. How would anyone be treated in a hospital if you had thousands of people show up on a given day at an emergency room saying, hi, I'm sick, I need help? Who's going to pay for it? What happens when we run out of drugs? What happens when we run out of beds? What happens when you don't have enough doctors and enough nurses? That's what we're talking about, folks, and this isn't hyperbole. Do the math. Do the math. But on top of it, we have no way of properly screening these people. So I want to read to you something that, uh, that it was part of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. And again, I, I contributed to this report. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. And then they go on to make these points. Uh, bear with me. Okay, so everyone says, why are you enforcing the immigration laws? If these people have no criminal histories, terrorists, sleeper agents, know better than to get arrested. Their job is to keep a low profile once they're here so that nobody interferes with them and they can then carry out the attack. So they, they talk about this. Congress gave the commission the mandate to study, evaluate, and report on immigration, non-immigrant visas, and border security as these areas relate to the events of 9-11. This staff report represents 14 months of such research. It is based on thousands of pages of documents we reviewed by the, from the State Department, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Defense, approximately 25 briefings on various border security topics, and more than 200 interviews. I was one of those interviewed. We are grateful to all who assisted and supported us along the way. The story begins with, quote, a factual overview of the September 11 border story. This introduction summarizes many of the key facts of the hijackers' entry into the United States. In it, we endeavored to dispel the myth that their entry into the United States was clean and legal. It was not. Three hijackers carried passports with indicators of extremism linked to al-Qaeda. Two others carried passports manipulated in a fraudulent manner. It is likely that several more hijackers carried passports with similar fraudulent manipulation. Two hijackers lied on their visa applications, and once in the United States, two hijackers violated the terms of their visas. One overstayed his visa. Now, that's the kind of people you might arrest, probably had no criminal history. Think about that, folks. And all but one obtained some form of state identification, like driver's licenses. 
Mr. Cuomo, okay? We know that six of the hijackers used the state-issued identifications to check in for their flights on September 11. Three of them were fraudulently obtained. So we're going to give driver's licenses to aliens who can't prove who the hell they are. And then Cuomo blocks, and some other states block the Border Patrol and immigration authorities from having access to motor vehicle information for the people that are given driver's licenses. So they can't even use the information when people seek entry into the United States at ports of entry, or if the Border Patrol is chasing a vehicle, or an ICE agent is chasing a vehicle. You try to run the license plate, you're told information not available to you. You can submit a subpoena, and within a week or two, God knows when they get around to it, they might give you some of the information, but you're going to have to demonstrate why. So if you're doing a national security investigation, you better be able to divulge that information or they're going to tell you you haven't justified your request for information. New York was hurt the worst on 9-11, wasn't it? I lived through those attacks. My neighbors died. Those ashes landed on my house. For me, folks, this damn thing is personal. It's as personal as it gets. And I testified before Congress in 1997 about immigration and visa fraud because of the 93 attacks. Yet we ignore all of this garbage, don't we? What a bunch. But let me continue on. By analyzing information available at the time, we identified numerous entry and embedding tactics associated with the earlier attacks in the United States. The World Trade Center bombings, February 1993, three of the terrorists involved in the Trade Center bombing reportedly traveled on Saudi passports containing an indicator of possible terrorist affiliation, and they go on and on and on. But here's the bottom line. They say this, and this for the people that want to legalize millions of illegal aliens. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories. Remember what I said to you? I have no problem with asylum if we're able to verify the identities of the people and other standards are met. Clearly, we're unable to do that. That is a threat to the lives of Americans and everyone else present in our country. Okay? So they say, for example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agricultural Worker Program after falsely claiming he picked beans in Florida. By the way, it was President Reagan working with Senators Kennedy and Schumer that gave us that disastrous uh, element of his amnesty, that, that, that massive screw-up that legalized, and everyone says three and a half to four million. That's not true, because many of them brought in children and spouses. So God knows what the true number is. We may never know, but I would argue it probably is somewhere closer to 10 or 12 million, okay? It goes on and says, Mahmoud Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residency under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa. He dropped out but remained in the United States out of status. So these were the kinds of people that ICE would normally arrest. And when they tried to do it, the radical left and the globalists have a meltdown. Oh, my God, these poor people are being arrested. They violated the terms of their admission. That's like renting an apartment and trashing the apartment and not paying the rent. You would imagine that the, rent, that the tenant would have to be um, evicted from the apartment. That's what we're talking about. They violated the terms of their admission. It's like the bouncer in the bar saying, yes, we're happy that you're buying drinks, but no, you don't have the right to smash bottles over people's heads. So we're throwing you out. They violated the law. And it turns out that their actual goal in coming here was to kill us. But don't tell that to anybody who wants open borders. And then here's something else you need to hear. Exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups with their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors. And this includes driver's licenses, folks, and corrupt government officials. I don't know. Who do you think that might mean? Can you think of a governor that maybe is corrupt? Maybe not. Who knows? Would you stake your life on it? We are. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in New York. 
because a terrorist who gets a license in New York can go to any state in the country, including Alaska and Hawaii, rent a car and carry out an attack because that driver's license works across the entire United States of America. It's basically national ID issued by one screwed-up idiot governor who can't figure out how to tie his shoes and breathe at the same time. His name is Cuomo, the guy that calls immigration agents thugs, thugs. Immigration provides the second largest contingent of law enforcement officers to the Joint Terrorism Task Force, and they're a major player in, in, in drug trafficking and human smuggling, human trafficking. But they're thugs, according to Cuomo the genius. Wow. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors, again, and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. This is what we're dealing with. And he's screaming that Homeland Security said we're not going to allow people with New York driver's licenses to be part of the trusted traveler program because we don't know who the hell they are. We don't know if we can trust them. So he's going to release some information. And my understanding is, according to AOL today, um, DHS said, you know what, we're still not going to go along with it because we still have a threat to national security by these policies. Understand, this isn't about xenophobia. And by the way, I started mentioning that idiot mayor in Portland who came out to side with the demonstrators. I don't know if you folks saw the video. It was a riot because there was a riot. So he came out to side with people that were smashing buildings, breaking windows, and attacking each other. And they told him, quit your job. They stood around him chanting, quit your job, quit your job. They did the same thing to the idiot mayor of Minnesota. They said, will you defund the police? No, go home. And they left like little boys that were whipped. Uh, Their feelings were hurt, these little children playing at being leaders. Here's my question. Nature abhors, nature hates a vacuum. Create a vacuum and something will rush in to fill that space. Create a vacuum and air will try to rush in to fill that space. That's how a compression engine works. The, the internal combustion engine in your car works that way. You know, you, you, the piston comes down and it sucks the air in because you're creating a partial vacuum. The valves open and air rushes in, right? Nature hates a vacuum. You remove law enforcement, something is going to fill that space. Guess what fills the space? Gangs and criminals. Now, if you think that cops make mistakes, and they do, and they can be made accountable, but they're law enforcement. They enforce the laws on the books, and they step outside the lines. There's consequences. They can be arrested, they can be prosecuted, and so forth. Gangs don't enforce laws, folks. They enforce turf. They enforce money. They enforce control. And by the way, guess who they go after most frequently? It's the most vulnerable. Most gang members are not brave people. They're brave when they show up with 20 guys to go after two guys. Then they're macho. And they got the guns, so they're macho. I can tell you, I've arrested bad guys. And when you arrest them by themselves, I've had them cry like little children. I've had them empty their... Insides, if you get my point, that it stunk bad. We arrested a guy by himself in his apartment. We had a criminal warrant. The guy had been involved with a string of murders. And we went in. He left the door unlocked. He was apparently higher than a kite. He was from Colombia. He was a drug dealer. He was believed to be associated with a load of armed robberies, assault, extortion, and murder. So I decided, because I was so enraged when we woke him up, he was fast asleep. This is 6 o'clock in the morning. We shined a bright light in his face, and instead of saying federal agents, I yelled at him, you're screwed. And he voided everything from everywhere. And we had to, you know, basically toss him into the shower and hose him off before we could put him into my car. And all the way into the city, what did he say to me? You scared me. That wasn't fair. You scared me. I thought you were there to kill me. This is the guy who was implicated in how many murders, but when it was him by himself and he was outnumbered, now he was scared, you see. So who are these gangs going to go after to begin with? Who do the thugs attack? They don't go after people that look like the Incredible Hulk. They go after 90-year-old women and men with canes and little children. They can be macho. Nothing's going to happen to them. You're going after a 90-year-old guy. What's he going to do, fall down and die? So the most vulnerable will suffer the worst consequences when you withdraw police 
from a city. No one is thinking to step two. Let's get rid of the police. What's going to happen then? I don't know. I can't think that far into the future. But let's get rid of the police. Well, we've seen what's happening in Chicago. They've hamstrung the police, and look at the level of violence. How many shootings on a given weekend? Dozens of shootings, children being gunned down and killed in their strollers, two-year-old babies. What could a two-year-old or a one-year-old child have done to, to deserve being shot? This is what's happening. And, and where are the Democrats? We don't want no federal troops in our town. They're not federal troops. They're law enforcement officers. They don't know the streets. Really? I used to make arrests with the cops. We chased bank robbers and drug dealers on rooftops, for God's sakes. But there's lie after lie. Pelosi comes out. They're coming in black vans. They're not wearing anything to identify them. This is like the, 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 the conspiracy theorists. We used to call them the Tin Hat Brigade, the Foil Hat Brigade. I saw a black helicopter flying over my house. It must have been the U.N., you know, crazy people. So now Pelosi isn't talking about helicopters. He's talking about black vans. So tell me, folks, do you live in a town where your police department has detectives? What uniform does a detective usually wear? I mean, you can have uniformed detectives. New York City Police does give detectives badges to police officers as a way of rewarding them for doing good work. But generally, generally, detectives wear plain clothes. Generally, they drive unmarked cars, just like federal agents, the FBI, ICE, um, ATF, DEA. They don't drive marked vehicles. They drive unmarked vehicles, but their raid gear clearly identifies them for the agency they're in. Why? Well, number one, people have the right to know if they're being arrested who's arresting them. But there's a bigger concern. It's about friendly fire tragedies. You want to make certain if you're out there making an arrest that if a cop is driving by or a federal agent is driving by or a state trooper is driving by, Oh, I know who that guy is. He's a federal agent. He's making an arrest. So it not only says police, federal agent, but it'll usually say Homeland Security or DEA or U.S. Marshals very clearly on the raid gear. That's a safety issue for everybody. But don't let Pelosi hear that because she just lies automatically. She's pathological. I think she has brain freeze from all the ice cream in that $28,000 freezer that she has. Maybe she sleeps in the freezer with her ice cream, fondling it for all we know. Maybe she thinks it's the way to slow down the aging process, you know, put her on ice. Goodness. These are dangerous politicians. They're watching the destruction and meltdown of our country. I go into it in detail in my article over at frontpagemag.com, and I, and I really hope everyone will take the time to read the article. And, and In fact, the title of my article, so you get the gist of it, Putting Americans first begins at our nation's borders. Trump's version, I'm sorry, Trump's vision for America parallels Lincoln's. That's my latest article, the front page. So please understand what is happening. We're simply looking to protect innocent people from the thugs that are out on the street and the Democrats who are looking for a revolution in America are doing everything they can to thwart any effort to enforce the law and protect innocent people. To them, dead bodies are acceptable, maybe desirable, just like homelessness. You know, I wrote a piece not long ago for Front Page. I said that for the Democrats to succeed, Americans must fail. The worse it is for the average American, the more that Americans are forced to turn to the Democrat Party, the party of the handout, for subsistence, so they can pay the rent, they can pay for some food, maybe they can put the lights on in their house. This is about control. These are control freaks. I go back again to the way they were raised by their parents. These are probably defective adults who could never get their parents to pay attention to them. So now that they're in positions of authority, they're going to make sure that we all pay attention to them. It's not a matter of let me pinch myself to make sure I'm not dreaming. Let me pinch you to make sure I'm not dreaming, you see? And we're getting pinched. Children are dying. Violence is universal across these so-called liberal cities. And again, I'm registered as a Democrat. These aren't Democrats, make no mistake. Their vision for America is to redo the country. And if you listen to the squad, they're very clear. They want to reset. They want to turn America inside out, upside down, and remake it in their vision 
And I promise you, their vision doesn't parallel any rational American's vision. Should police do a better job, we can all do a better job. Final story I have to tell you with a couple of minutes remaining. There was an amazing article in Popular Mechanics magazine, and this shows you how far we have fallen. Apparently, mathematicians uh, are, are able to come up with modeling to predict crime trends. And police departments around the country are using this modeling to figure out how to use limited resources, kind of like a triage. You don't have enough cops, so where do you assign them? How do you deploy them? So Popular Mechanics ran an article, and this was July the 20th, just four days ago. Here's the title. Why hundreds of mathematicians are boycotting predictive policing. Some academics are calling the controversial practice a scientific veneer for racism. Everything today, folks, is racism. This is absolutely insane. All it is is a way of making certain that we make best use of our limited resources. And meanwhile, what they're saying is simply this. This is what one of the leaders of this movement to end the cooperation of mathematicians with law enforcement. We have been part of these really problematic institutions, and this is a moment for us to reflect and decide what we're not going to do this as a community, that we're not going to do this as a community. We are not going to collaborate with organizations that are killing people. Wow. Do you think that the job description and the police officer's um, job description, the critical element, says go out and kill people? When there is a police shooting, we all view it as a failure. Why is it a failure? Because you don't go out there looking to shoot people. And we're not even trained to shoot to kill. Let's get rid of that myth. It's shoot to stop, and you aim to center mass, which is generally around the sternum of the person's chest because you're most likely to hit the person there. And once the person stops, it's over. These aren't assassination teams. That's what the gangs are, folks. That's who they want to put in control on the streets. It's unbelievable to me that you have this going on, you have these people, and some of them are conservatives who don't know better, Oh, we need to demilitarize the police. Understand the police aren't militarized. You give police the resources so that when they confront terrorists or heavily armed individuals, they go in with superiority of firepower and numbers. Why? To make certain there is no shootout. There's an expression in law enforcement, and there's an expression that's also used in the military, that if you find yourself in a field operation and you're in a fair fight, somebody screwed up. We don't want a fair fight because fair fights lead to the likelihood of violence. You want to go in with such superiority that the bad guy who is maybe facing life in jail and feels he has nothing to lose, you want him to look at what he's confronting and realize that if he doesn't do what he's told, he won't win this fight. It's over and it's going to be over quickly. That's why you go in the way you go in. That's why we need the armored vehicles and the semi-automatic weapons or the fully automatic weapons, because that's how the terrorists are armed. That's how the drug cartels operate. Look at the beheadings in Mexico and elsewhere and the level of violence that they employ to control their turf. Law enforcement has to have better firepower and better equipment than their adversaries, just like the military does. It's not about, as Joe Biden said, they're going to go into a town with a Humvee. And No. It's about having those resources for the day that you find a situation develop where you need to have those resources. It's like having a fire truck, hoping that there's never a big fire. This is about. We need rational thought processes, and we need to deal with the truth, not with fantasies that are created by politicians who certainly don't have the best interests of America or Americans at the basis for what they're doing, what they're saying and what they have planned for us. Please make certain to have conversations with your neighbors. It's very important that you understand that your neighbors are the same decent people they always were, but they've been lied to, they've been conned, they've been swindled, no differently from the people who gave up their life savings to that crook Madoff. Please have those conversations. Please forward my articles to as many of them as you can. Ask them to read it. Try to engage in a peaceful conversation. Please remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, also, check out Team DML, dmlnews.com. I do a, a podcast for him. It's a subscription service, but I think you'll find it worthwhile. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here uh, at the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you then. <laughs>